Hi everyone and welcome to The Constant Cheerleader, the podcast that champions the people who go above and beyond to make a difference in the world and their communities over a cuppa. My name is Gemma Stevenson and joining me today for the season two finale is a woman who is passionate about equality in the music industry. As the lead singer of Holy Moly and the Crackers, she has toured all over the UK and Europe and 2020 has seen her also take on an artist-in-residence role at the Sage in Gateshead. And in addition to her own music career, she also works as an ambassador for Attitude Is Everything, who campaigned to improve access to live music for deaf and disabled people. Here to give us 30 minutes of her best mat talk this week is Ruth Patterson. Hi, Ruth. Uh, Hello. How's life in the North East? Oh, it's a bit grim today, to be honest, but it's it's not too bad. It's not too bad. <laughs> to be fair, it's not much better down here. Really. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's stopped raining since midnight last night. No, horrible. <laughs> it's definitely a day, isn't it, where you just need to sit indoors on a sofa with a cuppa. Exactly. I've got a hot water bottle on my knee. <laughs> this is, yeah, no, I feel yeah. like I should now ask every guest to bring a hot water bottle as well. Um, I don't feel they have up until this point because, I mean, a lot of our recordings were during the massive heat wave we had. Um, but talk to me about this. We'll come back to the cup in a minute, but talk to me about this hot water bottle. It's pretty jazzy. It's a leopard print cover and uh, furry. I, I love it. I love it. Um, fancy. Well, I can finally say a hot water bottle has made its debut on this podcast. So thank you for that, Ruth. <laughs> What cup are you joining us with today? I've actually got quite a, a fancy cuppa. It's um, my husband just made it for me. It's a flat white, um, even frothing milk. So cute. Um, but yeah, I needed I've needed a few coffees today. I think this is number four. <laughs> it's very bad. Um, and it's in my favourite mug, and it's got a sloth on it. I have to say, great choice of coffee. You can't go wrong with a flat white, can you? Nah. Although maybe four a day, I'm. I mean, I I hate I hate to see what you're going to be like at like nine o'clock tonight. <laughs> you be bouncing off the walls. Oh no. <laughs> um. So um. I'm going to start uh talking to you about a band Holy Moly and the Crackers. I mean, where did that name even come from? Well, <laughs> it's kind of obvious by the name, but we kind of started out as a joke. Um. My partner at uni at the time and I moved in with them and we just started playing in house parties, people's kitchens, um, just little folk clubs and pubs and get playing. And I think one of our friends was in the kitchen one time and we put like sheets around, like trying to make it like a little gig. And uh, I think one of our friends, Kieran, just said, holy moly that's a cracker um, <laughs> and then it's just the name came from there really um i also didn't know this until we got on the stage and then comrade my partner just introduced us as that what's what that's what we were called and i was looking at him like when did we decide this <laughs> but then we couldn't change it after that so yeah that, that was it really i mean kind of regret the name but we kind of stuck with it and we've been going for nearly 10 years now so um it's a bit late to change <laughs> i mean when i heard the name of your band i heard the name and I thought do you know what i bet they sit around the table with cheese and crackers just composing it's like a little it's <laughs> like a little like bubble we've never done that but that is actually a great idea i'm going to put that to the band that i'm not going to turn up to rehearsal unless there's cheese and crackers <laughs> <laughs> that is now that's on your rider exactly, like, yeah. <laughs> you are classically trained but um your band is a when well, you call it a folk rock band don't you um, yeah. So 
what are the differences and also why why the move from the more classical style to the more folk style well i started playing the fiddle when i was five well the violin when i was five um and i always wanted to be a classical violinist and then i taught myself piano and started learning clarinet and lots of different instruments when i was 15 i I became really, really poorly, um, and I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which meant that I couldn't use my hands for a couple of years, and um, so I like couldn't even like pick up uh, the kettle or anything like that. So there was absolutely no way I was going to be able to play the violin. So I had a few years off music altogether, and that's when I started singing. Um, and that's also when I met my partner, and he was he was he's the lead singer as well like we're joint lead singers in the band and, and he was the one that kind of encouraged me to pick up the fiddle again and go you know it doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't have to be Beethoven it doesn't have to be this or that or Bach or whatever but just maybe just try and pick it up and try and like figure out a new way of working with the disability um, and that's when I started playing fiddle music because it's a lot more relaxed like you play in a group you can make a few mistakes you can pass it on to someone else you know and um, so that's when I started getting into folk music really and my mum's Scottish so I've always like we've always like gone to Kayleigh's and stuff like that and then just one by one we started adding members to the band really uh, but yeah it was kind of tragic start into this kind of music but then found that I really loved it do you find elements of your classical training do make it into your music that you create? Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially like more in my solo work as well. Um, I'll often score music. Um, I score a four string quartet. So even though I can't necessarily play those parts, I can still write the music, um, which is comes in really handy because it was a bit of a shame when I was like, oh, that's kind of a part of my life that was such a big part of my life and I couldn't do it anymore and I was like yes but I can craftily make other people buy it um which is quite cool are you a little bit of a perfectionist absolutely yeah I drive the rest of the people in the band absolutely nuts and um, I'm always like right no that's not perfect <laughs> like, sometimes I don't get invited to rehearsal because they're just like can we just have a relaxation without me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm yeah I'm a bit of a battle act for that but I'm trying to relax a little bit <laughs> but yeah I am I am a bit of a perfectionist but I think it just comes with having such a great passion for what you do like you want it to be perfect and if you've especially if you've composed something and you can hear it all in your head and you write it down and give it to somebody else to play it's like you want them to play it exactly how you wrote it but then I'm trying to collaborate a little bit more at the moment and realize that you know little accidents can also create like creativity as well um so that's something that i'm learning slowly (laughs) um another thing you're really passionate about is access to the music industry um for disabled artists there are some industries that are really good with access there are some that require improvement where do you think the music industry currently sits on that scale so it's a tricky question because I think there are lots of good things going on in the music industry, but as an industry as a whole, I think it's pretty terrible. Like, there's, I don't think there's any other industry that you would be expected to crawl or be carried onto a stage to do your job. And that is just something that happens like every other gig to me. Um, and, you know, you, you know, if you worked in a bank, they're not going to be like, oh, we'll crawl up those stairs <laughs> and get someone to carry a wheelchair up after you. It just wouldn't happen. Um, so I do think that, that there is a lot that needs to be done. But on the flip side of that, there are a lot of great 
things happening and and lots of lots of things are going in the right direction even just the fact that when i go to a venue um they'll ask me you know what can we do differently how can we improve um what what was and i never got never used to get asked that even maybe five years ago it was just sort of oh well it'll be all right she's used to getting carried around she doesn't mind whereas now i've noticed a bit of a shift in like definitely the last few years where where the the owners of venues and the promoters are saying you know what's this like for you in reality and what could we do differently what changes can we make and just getting asked that makes me feel better even if it's not perfect it's like you know that they actually want to change and they know that they want more disabled artists in that building and that makes me like feel really good and really positive so i definitely think it's going in the right direction but as an industry pretty terrible <laughs> oh that's what i was going to ask because um in the music industry you know with x factor and all of this people have this false assumption that to get into the music industry you just turn in, up in front of simon cowell and then you have a career and yeah. it, it's not that is it i mean it's years and years and years of gigging in really small venues and kind yeah. of and and building recognition for your music at that what i would call grassroots level that building blocks level you must have seen the good the bad and the ugly i really have yeah and that's the thing a lot of these smaller places, little independent venues, grassroots venues, like you say, like they're not accessible. They haven't had the funding or they're in really old buildings and, and maybe there's restrictions there. And, and it is tough because you have to start playing. That's the only way to learn. It's the only way to build your, your fan base and, and your creativity and your confidence as a performer. So it is really tricky starting out as a disabled artist because a lot of that's cut off to you. Or you just have to get a really great, support network that will just carry you around but i know that that's not you know that's not viable for everybody but yeah i have seen some really terrible things like some gigs i just i've turned up and i'm like I, there's no way i can get to the stage i'm just gonna have to sit in the van and I've, they've just played without me which is really sad i mean thankfully that's only happened you know a handful of times in 10 years but that has happened and it's a horrible feeling because I feel like I'm letting the band down and the band is angry, like rightly so, we're all angry and it's just not a great atmosphere and also I love playing, so not being able to get on that stage just because of access reasons is just so infuriating. But then again, there's some really, really great spaces. I, I always mention this, um, this venue called Cafe Independent in Scunthorpe and I'm sure they've got you know very limited funding there available but and it's in a real old building as well it's in a um, adapted warehouse but the access is amazing they've got stair lifts to get down to the venue stair lifts to get up to the backstage area full disabled toilet all of that and they've just put their funding where it needed to be to include everybody and so I say that and I see these bigger venues with a lot more funding I'm like well if these guys can do it you could have done this as well and um, so I think there's upsides and downsides of these grassroots venues because the community aspect a lot of the time means that the access is at the forefront of their minds when they are um, planning like it can be really good, but then sometimes it can just be a nightmare. <laughs> you have also, we've talked about grassroots level, but you have played on um, some big stages as well. I mean, I'll just mention Glastonbury. Yeah, I mean, it was really annoying because we were meant to play this year as well. And then when it got cancelled, oh, <laughs> um, that was that was one of the big things when that got cancelled. I was like, this year is not going to be good. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, ob that was obviously amazing, you know, um, playing to lots and lots of people um and also just the people that you meet backstage as well 
just milling around and and they were so so good about access as well they were so helpful let us drive to the stage stay there the whole time you know i had like numerous people coming up to me from the crew saying oh we've been warned about you you know are you all right can you get everywhere because it was really really muddy as well yeah so they had to put in like extra little roads to get me around in, in my buggy so yeah they were awesome you know that's one of the the points where i can say they did that right which is really nice because you need some of them each year when you're like, oh, that wasn't quite right, or I got stuck there, or whatever. It's nice to be able to say that they did it. They did it well. Amazing experience. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been to a couple of music festivals, and I do actually find music festivals are quite. They will try and accommodate as much as possible. I mean, what do you think the futures are for festivals? Because obviously, we've had had quite a weird musical summer, haven't we? Where there's just been this absence of the of the usual what do you think the challenges are for you as an act actually in planning your upcoming kind of gigging and festival um dates and for festivals themselves i think it's just gonna have to be a wait and see kind of thing i mean we've got some booked in for next year like the ones that we had to cancel this year have got booked for next year and we are really hopeful that we'll go ahead but i, I think we're all just going to have to be kind to each other and understand that if these things have to get cancelled, the main thing is safety there and not get angry. It will happen in the future. Things will eventually come back to normal. But um, I've got a I've got an autoimmune disorder, so I have a very weak immune system, so I'm high risk. So me going back to a festival is, you know, I'm very, very worried about that. Um, you know it's all the people and 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 not being able to necessarily get to running water and stuff like that all the time so i think it, it is just gonna have to be a case of wait and see and lots of planning i mean up here in newcastle they did have something an outdoor venue that they called it where everybody was socially distanced i don't know if you heard the little raised platforms yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it was like, I'm on a raised platform at a festival anyway, so this wouldn't be any different. (laughs) (laughs) I did, yeah, I looked at it. I looked at it and all these, um, like, people I follow and they follow me on Twitter and they're like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. I'm like, no, that's that's my everyday existence when I go to a music festival. (laughs) Why are you getting all so excited about this? It's not that exciting. It's just a platform. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a platform. We all use them every single time we go. Um, (laughs) So I think maybe it's going to be more of that. Use that as a trial example of how they were able to do it safely. And we, we, we just go ahead and do that. I mean, yeah, I'm tentatively excited about next year, but I'm also just... You know, going to put my foot down if I, I look into a festival and I don't think that um, I feel comfortable or I haven't been there before. Maybe I won't new, do new ones, just because everybody that I work with, all the promoters that the band works with, um, our agent, everybody knows my situation and knows um, my immune system. I'm like this every winter with flu anyway, so um, they know what to expect. So I think I'll only work with people that I've worked with before because they know like the importance of it and maybe not try any new things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm quietly optimistic. I just, I just hope it can go ahead because I think we all really need it for our mental health as well get to some live music there's nothing like going to watch music live is there there's just nothing like it you can't really beat it and, and especially like i being on the stage as well and watching the crowd and watching I mean one of the things that I love about the band is watching the little relationships between um, the audience members um, 
I absolutely love that that we brought people together and I think the kind of band that we are we're a bit daft we're very sort of silly on stage and um, really upbeat and you know I'm getting carried around and whatever you know it's like oh everybody can relax nobody's trying to be cool or you know um show off or anything like that it's just you do what you want you sing along you dance around and and I really like that obviously in COVID times that's going to be really difficult um to, for people to be meeting that's what I'm worried about but there is nothing like it I just want it back so badly <laughs> This year hasn't been a complete write-off for you, have you? I mean, you've um, been involved with an um, artist-in-residence project at the SAGE, haven't you? How important is it for um, a cultural institution like that to ask a disabled artist to come and be their artist-in-residence? SAGE is absolutely amazing. Um, it's a pioneering institution. I I think they're incredible. And the way that they try to include um, diversity in everything that they do I I can't fault it and I felt so welcomed and included and I wasn't scared to ask for anything like any access requirements that they were asking me like what do you need which I always think is such a the way around it should be it should be the venue saying right what do you need um which which is fantastic and they've always been like that um yeah I mean it was it was a shame because I haven't been able to go in since March so it yeah, it's kind of six months rather than a year. Um, but it, what I got at the start was absolutely fantastic. I got a completely accessible space to go and record in. You know, they've got all the soundproof and I could leave my gear there, get it set up to just experiment really and bring other people in and collaborate. And yeah, I, I can't fault the same. You had these plans for this um, project, didn't you? This um, solo project. I mean, how is that project going? I mean, I think it's, I think it's gone pretty well under the circumstances I think having this space and not being torn with the band it's actually made me focus on it a lot more so this year I've released two singles um that I wrote and developed at the stage and had some scoring tutorship as well so that was that was really cool because I was developing my scoring skills and and now I'm writing my WEP which is exciting. Um, so hopefully that'll be a bit different and I'm incorporating different people in that and trying to collaborate via Zoom, which is tricky, but I'm getting to I'm getting to grips with it. Um, and just, yeah, just trying to have a bit of fun, really. Um, try new things out, try new sounds, different ways of working. I've never used Beats before, so I'm trying to program um, that in as well. So, yeah, I'm excited about next year because even if we can't be going out and doing stuff live all the time and there's just like one-off little shows here and there i'm excited because i'm writing at the moment so i'll be releasing music and i'm excited to to hear what people think really have you found this time because i mean you you see artists whether that be writers or musicians um some artists throughout history have flourished in times of pandemic and restriction and some have just not coped with it at all which which side of the fence do you sit on i am thriving (laughs) (laughs) yes i love the confidence just as a kind of looking to the future i mean there's been that term hasn't there building back better now obviously i'm assuming as we move into the future and as hopefully you know the global plague turns into less of a plague as well as your music you will continue in your ambassador role with attitude is everything won't you Absolutely, yeah. One of the one of the things that attitude is everything as a as an institution is saying is 
reopen for all so when we do reopen everything when the music industry does reopen fully that everybody's included in that and to use this downtime to make things better and I, I was skeptical at the start. I thought, I don't know how this is going to go. Are these venues, are these places really going to try and do this fully and how much they need to? And I've been really pleasantly surprised. In the Northeast, like, so many local venues have contacted me and said, can you come and do some work for us as a accessibility consultant? You know, what was, what could we do differently? You know, can you help us get funding and all this? And that's just fantastic. I was I was so happy to to see that happening, and it's happening more and more. So um yeah, again, quietly optimistic that we do reopen better. And also, I think this has taught everybody that we're not invincible. So even the people that don't have disabilities or illnesses that. You know, you can just become poorly, and I think maybe there's a bit more awareness for disabled people now because we've all had this happen to all of us, and we're all in this together. I'd like to think so. The optimist in me would like to think so, but yeah, I think that's what we should be doing anyway. What do you think the challenges are for the music industry in general? <sighs> that's really difficult. I mean, I don't, I don't know that all the venues will survive. To be honest, I mean. I've already seen some closing down already. But I guess the ones that are there, I guess it's just trying to tap into the community side and get the community galvanised to support the small venues. And as soon as they do open, get everybody there or at least, like, if there's an online gig, like, access that, paper tickets, you know, support these places. Because people think that you don't need the arts and you don't need music or at least some of the government <laughs> don't seem to think that but we do you know what have we been doing in lockdown we've been listening to music we've been watching films we've been accessing art all the time and the entertainment industry that's what we've been doing that's how we've all kept alive during this time is is using the arts for for our mental health so i do think it's incredibly important and maybe more important than we even realize so yeah my advice to anybody trying to keep the music industry alive is just keep supporting artists keep supporting venues if you can buy merch you know if they've got merch online go and buy a t-shirt go and buy a tote bag you know buy a cd don't just listen to it on spotify go buy the cd um, and and things like that because we're really going to need it but the answer to how is the music industry going to survive i have no idea i basically just people realizing how much we need it i mean i'm going to move on to the next part you are a musician I'm going to turn you into a cheerleader now for this last part of the podcast. Um, and I'm going to ask you to do two very cheerleaderly things. Uh, first is the cultural exchange. Now, um, in cheerleading, when we go off to competitions, the cultural exchange is um, when we all get together and have a little party and exchange cultural gifts from different countries. So we learn about other cultures and they learn about ours. <laughs> this cultural exchange has now got to last people until season three airs in 2021 so <laughs> this is your opportunity to give us a bit of a long-lasting cultural exchange okay so two really basic things that everybody's i was just a bit late to the party with so i recommend the book normal people and stranger things on netflix i only discovered that last week i'm so behind the times but those are two things that i found really lifted me up last week and um, the next thing is i've just got into fabric painting 
So I've just been like doodling some fabric painting. And then the main thing that I've really loved this summer, because we've been home, I haven't had the festivals, haven't been touring. I've done lots of, um, <laughs> it sounds really old ladyish, but I absolutely love it. I started pressing flowers and leaves and stuff. So I absolutely love doing that. So I put them in books and now they're ready because I put them in a few months ago. So they're ready to come out because they're all dried and pressed. And so I've started writing letters, like getting my friends to be my pen pals. So sending them little dried flowers in the post. And when you receive them back, like you receive some autumn leaves in the post, it's the best thing. It just fills you with joy. This next section is called Matt Talk. Um, and in cheerleading, Matt Talk is kind of like a motivational cry. So when you're doing a particularly hard stunt, um, your other teammates stand on the mat uh, and give you whoops and cheers and words of encouragement so you, um, you, you really hit that stunt. So this is your chance, Ruth, to um, give our listeners a bit of motivational Matt Talk. And now, again, no pressure motivational mat talk to last until 2021 (laughs) this is something that i've been trying to tell myself recently because you know not being able to go out so much during lockdown when we do go out i get a lot more anxious than i usually do and it's really basic but i'm just trying to tell myself this every single time just before i unlock dark go out is just ignore what anybody else thinks and just tell yourself that go go around and just go they're not looking at me, they're not looking at me, and just try and not be, have any anxiety about what anybody else thinks of you, whether they're looking at you, and just remember that you're the only one inside your skin, so it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks because you're the one that's wearing it. What I try to do is wear one thing, when I go out, just wear one thing that's a little bit silly or a little bit colourful or put on... Um, a kooky shade of lipstick like purple or blue or something like that and so I go out and then and, and it just gives me a bit of confidence and um, just, just make sure that I've dressed up gone out and I don't care what anybody else thinks because I know I look amazing and um, so yeah just be kind be kind to yourself that's that's mainly it and ignore what anybody else thinks and I, I was I was scared of getting a phobia of leaving the house um after so long not being able to go out so yeah i'm just trying to build that little bit of confidence up and give myself little tactics like that just like yeah you're great let's go (laughs) i love that the next time i leave my house that's what i'm going to say to myself ruth i don't know about anybody else who's listening but that is what i'm going to say to myself (laughs) it genuinely does work that is a brilliant piece of mat talk to leave us on for this season and you have been an absolutely fantastic um final guest for this season thank you so much Ruth uh, for joining me today thanks for having me it's been great it's been an absolute pleasure and um, also thank you to everyone once again for listening to yet another season of ramblings from this little podcast and the incredible guests including Ruth that we've had on these past couple of months we'll be back in 2021 with a brand new season but for now I'll leave you with one final message and that is to stay safe stay well and keep chatting with us over a cuppa and social media And we will meet again at the same time next season to champion another of life's cheerleaders. Thank you.